So guys, it's a privilege for me to be with you tonight. Uh, tonight culminates in the final sermon of the uh, One Life series, which is part of the 120 initiative. It's kind of a first in the world, and Twane is the leading city that has started something like that. There's not the only initiative, but this whole 120 thing is actually an original idea that comes from our city. So it's quite am- I stand under correction with that, but that's what I understand with that. And uh, we've done Love by God on the 7th of May, Invited to Life on the 14th, Founding the Truth on the 21st, and tonight we're culminating, which is very significant in a, in a, a focus that is an outward focus a focus that is not a me focus, a focus that validates the fact that our eyes are placed in our head the way that they are, not to look at ourselves, but to look outward. And so tonight is about equipped to go. And uh, I just, yeah, just really just want to, wow. (laughs) I don't know how we come, how we come into this from, from where we're coming from this evening, but I just want to, I just want to (laughs) pray. Father, we just acknowledge your presence in this place. Thank you for stirring up wondrous awe of who you are. We're not playing games with some imaginary friend or some religious formula of how to become better people. We really just take a moment to sit here and just acknowledge your presence. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth tonight, Father, but may it be your words, may it be your heart, may you have your way and may you be pleased tonight. And may we not be listeners, Lord, but doers, compelled by love. In your name I pray, amen. The thing that strikes me the, the, the most is that when everything is said and done, at the end of all this preaching the gospel and reaching out and caring for the broken and the dirty and the dying, if you're on that bent, otherwise you're sitting at home in your comfort and your personal peace and affluence. And you know, after all that's also said and done, that it's all about God being our Father and us being His children. And I'm just really moved in my heart because... There's so many people that don't know him. (laughs) There's a lot of people that don't have what we have. There's a lot of people, there's there's people that you're going to see tonight when you drive home at the street corners by their own choice and by the the uncontrollable circumstances of life who who don't know him. Maybe they do smoke Niao Peh and maybe they they go to a, a home in Mamalodi at the end of their day's work. But is that really where we're going to leave it, you know? With our cold criticism and judgment and lack of love. Enjoying the love that is lavished upon us every day. And so easily forgetting about those who are on the outskirts of our society. Those who sit next to you in your lecture hall at university. The people that are, seem so aggro and so unlovable at your, your place of work. We so easily in our criticism and our, our form of holiness, we, we, negate, we negate them from the love of God. And we forget that God loved us when we were wretched sinners, that when we didn't deserve anything, He gave everything for us. We easily forget that. 
And so tonight, I, I really don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, actually. I've got notes and stuff here, but can we really be compelled by the love of a real person? Not some make-believe imaginary friend with a special formula that we use to try and say, hey, come to my social club. Will we lose everything for the surpassing excellence of knowing Jesus? Are you willing to go there? Tonight I have this tension in my heart. What I perceived was tension between the lion and the lamb. But the lamb doesn't speak about gentleness, even though the lion speaks about ferocity. It speaks about royalty. It speaks about leadership, passion, boldness. The lamb speaks about sacrifice, actually. The lamb that was slain. The one who was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, (coughs) anticipating what was about to come upon him having a premonition of it, knowing exactly what was about to come, getting on his knees, sweating blood, (laughs) his blood vessels bursting at the sheer agony of of the expectation of knowing what is going to take place shortly. We read over it so quickly in the scriptures, so easily. In two minutes you can read the crucifixion accounts. At the end of all of this, when everything is said and done, it is about us being his children and him being our father. On Thursday, it was Ascension Day. And uh, it's a day that takes place 40 days after Easter. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, it says um, that, that when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud. Sorry, and the cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So that's a King James Version. Sorry, I see it's, it's a bit old school. And then there's a scripture that elaborates on what he had spoke, when he had spoken these things, how that Acts scripture starts. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And amen means let it be so. One of the things I had in my heart tonight was the the disparity or the, the contrast between People standing up, staring at heaven, waiting for Jesus to return, and those that are being obedient, going and making disciples. I hear it often. (laughs) People always talk about, I can't wait for Jesus to return, because then all this is going to be over, you know. We even sang it in the one song, but fortunately it says, one day all these troubles will be gone, but so long as I'm here on the earth, I'm going to live to know you here on the earth. 
And we can either get stuck in the group that's looking at heaven, hoping, waiting, wondering, when are you going to come back, Jesus? Because then all this, issues, all this trouble is going to stop. But it's a dangerous space because it's a space where it's just about you. And we very easily listen to what the angels said to them to say, don't worry, he's going to come back in the same way that he left. Instead of remembering the last words that he spoke to us with a universal command to everyone who will follow him to say, go and make disciples. Don't just make babies and don't father them. Make babies and father them. Go and make disciples. It's like a clear command. And somehow we stand looking at the sky, hoping that all this issue, all the issues of life will just pass by because, you know, we can't wait for Jesus to return because then everything's just going to come to an end. It's a dangerous place to live because that's disobedience. (laughs) Go and make disciples of all nations. Those who love me obey my words. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever entrusted anything to anybody. Like, for instance, you, you, you're just taking your car in for a service, and you've got a specific idea in mind what you want them to do with your assets or whatever it is that you've given to them. And you, you go and you hand in your car for a service, and later in that day, you come back and you see that your whole car has been sprayed red when it used to be white. You know, it's got like these knockoff mags that this guy just decided to put on there. You know, he's, he's changed your, you know, your gear, your gear lever with that little, you know, you find like carbon fiber gear levers in Midas and all that. And, you know, and he's just, he's just done what he wants with your car, you know, but you were just, and you're just standing there in utter disbelief. You're like, no, dude, please take me to my car. And sometimes I wonder if we haven't done that with a church. <laughs> sometimes I really, I, I just, and I say this very um, reverently because the body of Christ is the, is the bride of Christ. It's his church. You don't talk about someone's wife or fiance, you know, you're going to get in trouble. But what if we've taken his intention for who he wants us to be and we've made it into something else? a ticket to heaven gospel. Just pray this little prayer and you'll be able to get to heaven. Don't worry. You may have issues in life, but God is good and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. If you just pray this little prayer, you'll get into heaven one day. Is that really the gospel? Is that the kind of gospel that is compiled by love? Is that the kind of gospel that that is willing to put its sleeves up and get its hands dirty in the, the lives of the broken and the dirty and the dying? the person sitting next to you in your lecture hall, the person at work that you can't stand to be in their presence for a moment? Do you want your neat, sanitized, cozy little form of Christianity, which is staring up at heaven once all these difficulties pass away, thankfully Jesus is going to return? Or are we really going to get busy with doing what he commanded us to do? And so tonight I'm not standing here to try and motivate you to go on outreaches. I'm not standing here to, to try and really inspire you to have an outward focus even. All I'm saying is that can we be compiled by love? Can we really be moved by the same one that we know? The sermon title is called Equipped to Go. And, you know, while I'm, while I'm 
in the service, even in the pre-pray, um, pre-service prayer and all of that, it's just like the subtitle, even the heading itself is like, they didn't die for an imaginary friend. <laughs> it's like, you know, we read the scripture and Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And the, the, the New Testament doesn't tell us uh, everything of what happened to these disciples when they did go. But church history tells us that the same Peter that denied Jesus three times refused to be crucified the same way that his Lord was crucified. So they crucified him upside down. (laughs) How's that? (laughs) He didn't die for an imaginary friend. Apparently, uh, Thomas, you know, we call him Doubting Thomas. He ended up going to India, as far as I understand, and was pierced through. He was killed by them. Just, to, just in order to take the gospel to them, you know. Uh, we read about our Christian brothers and sisters there in Egypt currently who have, you know, they're just suffering attack after attack. And I've been there. They've got metal detectors at the doors of their churches. <laughs> but by the time a guy with a suicide bomb walks in and sets the metal detector off, he's already within the building. And often we sit in our personal peace and affluence, our comfort a luxury, and we forget that God loves everybody else, not just us. The gospel is not a ticket to heaven. The gospel is an invitation to get to know a real living God, a Jesus who is not in the grave, whose bones you will not find if you look for them, because he's alive. And too easily, even myself, I, I, I become disillusioned because I get busy with life. And the crazy thing with busyness, as Luke tells us, and, and that parable of the sower is that the seed was sown and, and among the thorns, and those thorns came up and they choked that word. And when Jesus elaborates to his disciples what those thorns are, he says that it's the, the cares, the worries, the pleasures of this life. That choked the word. And it doesn't stop there. It says it makes it unfruitful. And when I, when I look at the, the gospel of John, it says there that only if you abide in me will you bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. And we live these busy, shallow lives. And we, it's so busy and it's so shallow. And we really want to go deep. But we end up just trying to get, you know, even the Sunday service is like the biggest highlight of the week. It's no closet time, you know. There's a real invitation. I'm finding myself lately waking up in the, in the, in the mornings early or in, sometimes in the night, and I just lie there, and I'm just like, Lord, I, my heart is longing for you, you know. But I, I feel like you're not going to be there when I, when I go to the lounge or when I go, you know, when I'm trying to seek you. Or I feel there's something wrong with my heart that believes that you're not going to be there. That's just my issue. I've got an issue with that. Like, but the truth is that we cannot share Jesus if we don't know Jesus. And that's a strong statement. But it's not going to be easy for you to share with somebody about your imaginary friend. <laughs> They're going to think you're crazy. Really? He's coming back on the clouds of heaven? like where did you get that from some storybook or something like that you know virgin birth (laughs) you man I don't know what you guys are reading but I'm reading like quantum physics you know that's real stuff 
Don't come to me with your imaginary friend, Jesus. And we're always going to be intimidated and fearful if we don't really like, get stuck in with this thing of this invitation to take God up on a relationship that we can know with Him. Sorry, that we can, <laughs> sorry. A relationship where we can really know Him. Nothing compares to it. Nothing compares to your apologetics or your, your arguments, nothing like that. Because God can just tell you, in the middle of someone criticizing you, just tell this person watermelons. <laughs> and they can break down and cry. Because that person said, had some issue throughout the day and said, God, you know what, if you're real, just get someone to come up to me and tell me watermelons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the story of Nathaniel in the first, I think it's in the third chapter of John. He, Peter and them go and call him. He comes, and while he's afar off, Jesus looks at him when he's within hearing distance, and he says, look at this man. He's an Israelite of Israelites. And Nathaniel responds, and he says, how do you know me? And Jesus says, before you were here, I saw you under the, under the tree. What a random thing to say. This guy falls down at the feet of Jesus, breaks down, and he confesses him, surely you are the Christ, you know? Surely you are the Messiah, the one that we're all waiting for. It's the same as saying watermelons. I've heard stories before, and I often I fail to, to follow them up and to find out the real deal behind them, the real facts. But I've heard, and I'm sure you have as well, stories of people that are on the top of a building ready to jump off. And someone down the road will be just walking there, a son of God or a daughter of God, and they'll just feel to shout out, I love you! <laughs> and this person that's standing there, about to take their life, sees this crazy person <laughs> on the street just shouting out, I love you! And this person has just said, God, if you love me, just give me a sign. <laughs> you know? The lion and the lamb. The lion is bold. The lion is fierce. And the lamb doesn't speak so much about gentleness as much as it speaks about sacrifice. We read stories of Brother Yun. <laughs> Some people say that all the stuff isn't true and they challenge him on certain facts and certain things, but... Yo, man, if you've never done jail time, then don't argue with someone that has. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we love to hear stories like this. We want it to be our experience. But are we willing to sacrifice? John 12, 24 says, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it bears much fruit. Like I said, I really don't know what's going to come out of my mouth tonight. <laughs> Jesus longs for you, eh? There was a, there was a picture that one of, one of the ladies had in the pre-service prayer about him being in cubicles with many different people. And it was like he was saying, you know what, maybe you've heard the gospel secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand, but I want to sit with you face to face. I want to have intimacy with you. Yes, I know everything about you already, but I want you to make it known to me.
I want to know you. Paul uses strong language in Philippians 3 where he says, you know what, I count everything as ships. <laughs> the Greek, they don't put that in our nice little English Bibles. He uses very, very strong language to say, everything, all my gain, I count it as <laughs> for the surpassing excellence of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. This is the same guy, according to what we speculation from church history, because he just disappeared, is that he was beheaded by Nero, the emperor, one of the emperors of, of Rome. He didn't die for an imaginary friend. The apostle John, who had the revelation of Jesus Christ, at the time that he had the revelation, was apparently 90 years old. And he had also had his eyes put out with a hot rod. So he was blind, apparently, when he saw the revelation of Jesus Christ. Apparently, this is what I heard, I stand under correction, he had also been boiled in oil and didn't die. And then they didn't know what to do with him, so they sent him to the island of Patmos, which was an exile island, it's like Robin Island. 90 years old man being boiled in oil, didn't die, eyes put out. No wonder Jesus took the time to give him a revelation of who he was. Am I saying that we need to suffer and sacrifice and do things like that in order to get revelations of Christ? No. What I'm saying is, are you willing to be obedient because you're compelled by love no matter what, that you will do what he asks you to do? Some of the stuff we don't understand and we don't want to suffer, we don't want to struggle. But the scripture tells us clearly that persecution is the mark of a true believer. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I can't remember when last I was persecuted. The closest form of persecution I get is from DCS, Correctional Services, where they don't process requests and they don't do, you know, it's like, why, why are you guys against me, man? I'm trying to do a good thing here, you know? And every now and then I'll have a guy at the prison that has something to say or, you know, says I'm not the church of Jesus or has some interesting idea. I'm not saying that we're supposed to suffer. I'm saying that he requires our obedience. And so this... The series of, of One Life culminates today, and I really feel its significance. We can't sit here tonight and expect that we're going to leave here and we're going to be at that, like that top place. But going out is not for the professionals. It's not for people that work in the church building that have titles of evangelist or pastor or apostle or anything. Those people's responsibility and function within the body is to equip everybody else to go and do the work, not to do the work themselves and have exclusive right to be the man of power for the hour. When we accept Christ, we are all ministers of the gospel, all of us. Living images of God that live among the people, that live in your complex, live in your block of flats, live on the street that you live in, moving, living, breathing, looking up toward God, having intimacy with Him, and bringing that love down and sharing it with others. When you drive by the guy at the street corner, you're driving past an image of God. Yes, he's a drug addict. Yes, he's homeless. Yes, does he have a lot of issues? But is he an image of God? Yes, he is. He's just not along, further along the way like you are with your process of being conformed to the image of, of the Son, of God. So tonight, I just want to... We've put a, a small handout on your seat.
It's called your, your life story. And just, it's just a tool. It's not a formula. It's not, it's not a magic little thing that you, you just go to someone and you say, hey, can I get two minutes of your time? You know, can I just tell you about Jesus? And then if you pray this little prayer, then, you know, ding, magic, you're just going to be a believer. I really believe when, when, I, when it comes to, to leading someone to the Lord, we make it like a big hoo-ha and a big thing. But the way that I see it, this is just my opinion. It, it doesn't even really matter the, the words that you pray because if you don't really know what you're praying or know what you're saying, like, what, is that, what are you doing? The way I see it is that you're putting someone's hand in the hand of Jesus and saying, you know what, Tim, this is Jesus. Jesus, this is Tim. And not having an image of standing at the finish line as though now I can tick the box and now I can push them onto someone else who will disciple them. It's rather to, to have this image of Jesus and Tim, I've just introduced you to him. There's a long road ahead. And this is just the beginning. Let's start walking together. And I don't know about you guys, but my heart longs not for an imaginary friend called Jesus, but for a living, risen Lord who is out of this world powerful and who has a love that cannot be quenched at all. And I know, just, we're giving this to you guys. I do believe in it. I know I may not seem as though I do. But for those of you who who really feel like you don't know what to do, I don't know if I am equipped to go, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can't say that, you, that Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit helps you to say that, like really, for real. And this is just a simple little, little card that just asks you, where is Jesus in your life? And it's got three different kinds of lives. It's got the I life, which is my will and my way. Jesus is not included in this circle, this person's sphere. Then you've got the 911 life, which is God's will, my way. Jesus, you can see, is in that little sphere there. But every time I need something, I go to Jesus because he's my Savior. He's not my Lord. I'm still my Lord. And that's the thing. Often we find Jesus as Savior. And maybe that's you. Maybe you found him as Savior, but you're not yet following him as Lord. I challenge you tonight. There's a big difference between Lord and Savior. And if you're living the 911 life, he, he has a very different intention for you. Same as that car that I gave in at the, <laughs> at the service. Let's not make it into something that it is not. Then there's the kingdom life where Jesus is the Lord. That's where we start realizing that I found him as Savior, but now I start following him as Lord. I start losing my life so that I can find it in him. Those scriptures start to make sense when you start following Jesus as Lord. Sacrifice doesn't compare to being obedient. I will do whatever you require me to do, Lord. Even if I fail three times, still, do not give up on me. Help me, like Peter. He's the one that reinstates, till eventually the one who denies Christ three times is crucified upside down, because he's not worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus was. What? You don't do that for an imaginary friend. You don't, you don't do that when an ISIL jihadi is holding a machete to your neck. It's not even a machete. These are so crazy, man. 
The crisis is not the time to make decisions. It reveals your decisions that you've made. So when you encounter the broken and the dirty and the dying, they are revealing the decision that you've already made in your heart. So I offer this to you guys. If you are in any of the, the top two there, the I life or the 911 life, we'd love to, to spend time with you. But I challenge you, there's a different way to live. If you are living the kingdom life, I challenge you to go and take this. I'm sure there's one person. I'm not forcing you. I'm not twisting your arm. I'm just saying maybe there's one person that God is putting on your heart as I've been talking to you. Just one person. And it's not saying that you have to go now and whip out this whole thing and say, hey, dude, I'm going to change your life. <laughs> this is just a motivation and a tool. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. It's really, I believe, as simple as saying, you know what, Tim, this is Jesus. Jesus, this is Tim. And Tim can acknowledge that Jesus is real because of the way that you live your life and the relationship that you have with Jesus. So I encourage you guys, in the week ahead, not only just to go and, and be an image of Christ in your sphere of influence, wherever you find yourself, working, living, doing your extra murals, whatever. But take it up. Be compelled by love. Spend time in the closet. I'm speaking to myself. Let us not live busy, shallow lives, but let us have intimacy with a living God, a real God, a God that we can really know. We also, we're also trying to um, encourage people to do this by also saying, in the week ahead, whether you fail, whether you succeed, whether it's really someone rejects you big time or whatever, share it with us. We, we're really keen to know what happened, where you're at. Um, we've, I've organized, Anrich Ezwal, he's a champion, this guy. Um, but he, he's organized this thing, has, had, um, hashtag Hatfield Church. So just share your testimonies on there. Just say, hey man, I was able to to share Christ with somebody. I was able to share the love of God with somebody. And they, really, they just embraced him. Or they completely rejected it. And this is how I felt. And this is how it made me feel. Like, just give us some feedback. It's not a thing to follow up on you. It's just a platform to see, who are we? What is our community like? Or do we come to church, get the message, feel good, and then walk out and forget about it? Or are we really going to be images of Christ in the city, in this context? Born for such a time as this. Born again for such a context as this. Wherever you're at, Jesus wants to use you to reach all those who don't know him. So I just want to pray for us tonight. Father, we thank you so much for the, the love that you have for us. We cannot fully understand it. We cannot fathom it. But still, you love us. I just pray, Father, that you would help us to know your love, each and every single one of us, myself included. Lord, I've got so many issues and hang-ups, <laughs> so many things where I see you in the wrong way. But I just ask and pray, Father, that you would help all of us to know your love for ourselves and that we can be moved by love. We can have tongues of angels. We can have, give everything to the poor, but if we don't have love, we have nothing. And you say that your very essence is love, Lord. Help us to be compiled by love, that we will not keep you for ourselves, but that we will be so ready, even if it costs us to, be, to sacrifice or to go through persecution, whatever, 
that we will be willing to be obedient, to go and make disciples and to teach them everything that you teach us. I pray your blessing upon your church, upon your bride. I pray that you would help us to understand the times that we live in, that we will not be focused on personal peace and affluence being unfruitful, but that we will be real like blazing fires that live in the blocks of flats, the complexes, the streets at work, that we will just be blazing torches of images of God, the love of God. Help us to, to eventually say, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. I pray this in Jesus' name and I bless your bride. Amen. Amen.